everybody, it's Dr. Nicole Bonner. And this is Dr. John D'Ambrosio, and we are here with Taproot Conversations with a very special guest, Dr. Jim Getz. Jim, introduce yourself to us. Hey guys, thank you so much for having me. I'm humbled and honored here to be with both of you, and uh, looking forward to having a fun little podcast session here. Yes. We always do. Always. <laughs> so, Jim, um, can you tell us like a, a little bit about First of all, how you got started in chiropractic. So where did you go to chiropractic school? When did you graduate? Well, I went to the University of Bridgeport College of Chiropractic when they were still accepting students. I, I think at this point now, they're uh, unfortunately like a lot of schools starting to head on out. Mm. I got into it. I was a strength conditioning coach for some years, uh, working with a lot of professional athletes and just needed something more. I was missing something. I was in this great marriage, if you would, with my profession, working mm -hmm. with some of the top athletes in the world, great guys. But just when I go home at night, it's like, I need more. Uh, this shoulder's just not working right. It's, he's in pain all the time. Why can't I fix that? And I'd see what the athletic trainers are doing and nothing, no knock against athletic trainers by any means, but just doing some Advil, ibuprofen and uh, ice. This is not really fixing it. Uh, I remember vividly myself uh, playing baseball down in Tampa where I was on was it seven Aleve and five Tylenol given by the athletic trainers. Yeah. Every wow. single day, twice a day, just because my elbow was the size of a softball at this point. And uh, it, it was just not working. So I saw, um, was it Dr. Shaker uh, down in Tampa and he'll be in, the upcoming movie, The Keto Project, as well. And he, instead of giving me the bill, I had a little pinch nerve, uh, layman's terms here, and he did an amazing job and no more pain. I could actually turn my head in every single direction. And instead of going to pay the bill, he says, come to my office. Uh-oh, I'm going to the principal's office now. And uh, for the next hour, he talked to me about chiropractic school. He went to life and really just kind of drove home um, everything he's really enjoyed about it and how where I'm going, I can kind of stay what I'm doing or take it to the next level. And it was not a conversation that I was really looking to have at the time, but it was one that I really needed at the time. And mm -hmm. I did not even apply to any schools at this time. I wasn't even looking for information at the time. And I got a letter in the mail, a little brochure, from the University of Bridgeport, College of Chiropractic, wondering how did they get my information? Who cares? And uh, reached out to them and went to visit them, liked the program and enrolled. That's great. It's a good experience, absolutely. Definitely uh, met that niche, uh, the thing that I was really looking for, because as you both know, the human body is fascinating and two conditions may appear the same, you know, that pinched nerve I was talking about that I had, uh, the patterning to get to that end point may not be the same between two people. So mm -hmm. it's a lot of fun just trying to, not trying to, that sounds pretty bad here, but figuring out <laughs> the actual pathway in the first place and then treating that and then uh, the individual gets well and does not come back. And that's very rewarding and satisfying. Definitely. So now... That, that was a big jump for you. So you had the physical experience and then you sat in his office for an hour. 
What do you remember of that conversation that really stuck that made you change directions? Hmm. I think part of it was his patient base, realizing that his patient base had a large majority of elite professional athletes. And to see that some of the guys that I'm literally working with, he's now fixing, it kind of just made sense to move from one stage and step to the other, realizing that, yep, I'm going to have to go back to school. And that's kind of what kept me from just jumping into it immediately right out of undergrad was the fact that, and this is going to sound uh, terrible to all the new students listening, I didn't like school. I really loathed school. <laughs> I get on the school bus in high school, counting down the days, and then almost in tears by the time I get home, realizing how many days are left for the school year that I've got to be on this bus, getting up early, going into class every day. And uh, it wasn't working well for me. So I procrastinated on that as long as I could. And then finally realized to get what I want and get where I need to be, I just got to bite the bullet, jump in head first. And so went out first thing, got a anatomy book. And, you know, you guys know what they look like. They're pretty thick. And <laughs> a buddy of mine was over having a, a few adult beverages and laughing at me saying, you know, you're going to have to memorize that thing from front to back. Nah, nah, I'll just, I got the gist of it as it is. Yeah, no, he was right. Cover <laughs> <laughs> to back cover is requirement. And uh, I, I never look back as thinking, should I have done that or not? It was best decision, I think, of my life, other than obviously getting married and having three wonderful, wonderful little ones there. That's, that's great. Now, what, what was your impression of or knowledge of chiropractic before you had this life-changing experience? It was, I think, it was twofold. One was what the general public, I think, believes of chiropractic. And one I kind of struggle with to this day. And the other was Dr. Shaker. He is a doctor. He knows how to diagnose. He knows how to treat. He doesn't just do a flying seven, wacky crack you, slap you on the butt and send you out the door. He <laughs> gets individuals better. Um, he gets individuals better enough to be on the field, to perform at extreme high levels. Otherwise, they'd be out for the year and the team would suffer as a whole. Mm -hmm. One part that does get me and now to this day is that flying seven wacky crack you send you on your way. That's not a doctor. Anybody can do that. Anyone can learn um, with enough practice. And I'm not saying learn overnight. I'm saying with enough practice mm -hmm. to adjust. Now, why do you adjust? Where do you adjust? What's the purpose of that specific adjustment? I see massage therapists now just mm -hmm. their thumbs and going through physical therapists adjusting. And it's driving me absolutely crazy because our profession doesn't really take offense to that. It's, they keep on doing the same mm -hmm. thing, not changing. And even signs that are hung out inside of offices just say chiropractor. Well, when do you ever see one that says medical or osteopath? You know, it, they don't. A doctor is a physician and should conduct themselves in that manner. And the patient will only benefit. And I believe that the profession as a whole would be able to grow and schools wouldn't be going out of business. And even now you know, trying to get uh, physicals passed by for local school districts, some districts approve it, some do not. Some, the middle school approves it, but the high school does not. Here in New Jersey, the law states that we can perform full physicals. Now, mm -hmm. why is the school district, the school nurse is telling me that she can do it, a PA can do it with far less knowledge and education that we have. 
it's mm-hmm. it drives me bonkers and i believe that is our own fault as a profession if we literally unite and just stop being lazy and do the proper procedures each and every time with patients mm-hmm. then we will be respected as we should be respected but we can only command that respect ourselves yeah i agree and I think what I'm hearing you say, Jim, is really standardizing the profession. Mm-hmm. In other words, you know, you have to go into taking care of patients with having some kind of um, some kind of basis, some kind of evaluation. What are you basing your care off of, and how are you measuring it? What where's the measurement here? How are we standardizing it? And I think there's a lot of us out there that agree 1,000% with you. Um, Obviously, this is a student podcast. So if, if obviously a lot of chiropractic students hopefully are watching this or are going to be watching this. So what what would you say to them or what kind of advice would you give them to kind of direct them into it, toward that, toward, you know, getting away from the old school rack'em and crack'em, flying seven and directing them toward more, you know, a more of a, spe- a specific chiropractic adjustment with, you know, intention and, and measurable outcomes? I would say... Take it very seriously in what you're doing. Look at the, look at your textbooks that go through different diagnosis. Uh, I think the radiology textbooks, well, as intimidating as they are, they have some of the best information going. It's all encompassing. If you can really get to know that, and not just get to know it for a test, but get to know that like truly down to a cellular level, where mm-hmm. somebody's having a conversation and you pick out through your mind they threw out a few key words of some symptoms that you can now bring back. You may have changed a life, could save a life. Uh, mm-hmm. Even nutrition that we do in our uh, facility, anybody can give somebody a diet of just don't drink alcohol, don't uh, eat sugar, and you should lose some weight. Well, congratulations. But what if you're missing a diagnosis where you have a kidney problem? And I'm using this as an actual example that occurred just two weeks ago. You're mm-hmm. tr- changing that person's life forever if you want to just skate by um you can put a roof over your head most likely by just that flying seven however if you want to really make an impact and leave a lasting legacy that's when you're a doctor act like a doctor make the proper diagnosis and apply the correct treatment as you say dr bonner you know you're talking about uh, quantification Make sure that you're testing and reevaluating. Are you doing the right treatment? You may have gotten the diagnosis wrong. It, it does happen <laughs> from time to time. It's better to catch mm-hmm. it now than when they're going and telling 50 other people, this guy's a quack. He has no idea what he's doing. Right. And now you're kind of tarnished in the, in the community. Well, that was avoidable. It's still avoidable at this very moment. So just taking it seriously, it's really about the diagnosis. Get that diagnosis right and the patient will get better. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, so did you now get this uh, philosophy going through school or did you graduate and associate? Did you start out on your own? Like where, you hated school initially and then you came through and now you're, you're a proponent of learning, which is fantastic. And then applying that to the profession, where did that transition take place? And again, did you jump out of school right into practice or associate or how did it go? There were <laughs> individuals going through school that were very... Uh, impactful to me. Some of the other doctors that I learned under. Others, you know, certain people would gravitate for for certain reasons. Um, 
Dr. Shaker, who got me into it. Him and I, to this day, still keep in touch. A quick phone call. Hey, how's it going? Um, he continues to be very impactful for me. Uh, Dr. Terry, who's my clinician, to this day, again, I mean, we talk regularly, see what's going on, and she was very impactful. She was the first individual, and I may have been the first person in clinic to be bouncing and seeing multiple patients at the same time. As she said, when you get into practice, you're not going to have 30 minutes per patient. If you want to keep the lights on, you're going to have to get used to moving faster. So she helped me get my thought patterns moving quicker, as opposed to having to constantly check my notes, what's going on, and so forth. Um, had a couple other professors who, again, were all about the diagnosis um, when it comes to practical application. Uh, it, there's a huge difference that students don't understand, I don't think, between going through school and the real world. Mm. You can practice your uh, adjusting exams, for instance, all day long in school, but let's face it, you're not actually getting that tribal nucleation there on your exam. So how do you know that it was an actual impactful adjustment? Was it the right segment? Uh, you can get through school with an A+, plus, but when you get into the real world, that A+, plus doesn't matter. Your grades yeah. don't matter. Can you treat the patient effectively there? Uh, going through school, I ended up becoming just a sponge. Who can I work for? Who can I uh, get some information from? Uh, there's a doctor uh, over by Rutgers, Dr. Pappas, and I, he was looking for help. I found him, I think, through the ANJC website. So one summer, I went over there and learned how to run the front desk. I learned every once in a while, he would have me adjust him and his other associate in there. And then I'd be down with the x-rays, organizing them. He had the old school x-rays. Um, and then just learning the insurance game. He, just all these things taught me so much about how the office should actually run. And mm -hmm. just different experiences like that, even going and shadowing a doctor for a day here and there, I was just nonstop. Who can I find? Who's around here? Mm -hmm. And one of the doctors who I actually did uh, shadow for a day, um, ironic enough, just last week, his marketing team came over to us asking to collaborate. Like, remember back in the day? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> totally forgot about that. Uh, I still remember, though. And it was a great experience. So any advice to students, I would say, what are you doing on the weekends? And stop that. It better be associating with the doctor, going through your books. I, I vividly remember five o'clock in the morning down at Starbucks. I didn't want to wake up the family and uh, study until 10 a.m. every single Saturday. Uh, when I got into clinic, I was going again, associating with whoever I could, uh, shadowing, I should say, with whoever I could, whenever I could, just mm -hmm. get any more information and knowledge. And I think that definitely, definitely has impacted my life in a positive way, not just for patient care, but just for human interaction. You get to see so many different people, personality types. That first time a type A uh, Fortune 500 CEO walks into your office and is telling you what's wrong with them and how you need to fix them, well, you know, hold on there. I'm the expert. You're coming to me. And to be able to tactfully twist that around and you'll have a patient for life if you can do that right but i remember at first mm -hmm. individuals coming in like that and it's like whoa who's this <laughs> what's going on something that you don't ever get at school or a clinic and uh having those experiences with other doctors and shadowing leading up to uh day one was indescribably 
excellent experience that I highly, highly, highly recommend for every young student to do. Great advice. Yeah, I think it's, thank you for that. I really appreciate all that, Jim, because I think you hit the nail on the head. I love, you know, basically everything that you said was, was right on. And I, I take, as you all, as you know, um, I take a lot of students out of school into associate positions and that's the disconnect, man, is like they come into an associate position and the clinician is looking for to hire a doctor and they're still the student, yep. like they're still in student mindset. Yep. And um, so, yeah, you really, you really did hit the nail on the head with that. There's another thing uh, you probably figured out. I think I may have actually sent you a partial text on it is as somebody who's operating a clinic, mm-hmm. when you're looking for new people, I'm finding a lot of students are coming out of school asking for six digits, days off, full health insurance. Uh, I'm just, I'm flabbergasted at what is being asked for. And then mm-hmm. you ask them, okay, adjust me. Let me just see the hands on. I'm mm-hmm. falling off the table still. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of, especially at first, humility, being humble, it goes a long, long way. Realizing that those that have been practicing ahead of you and literally paving the way for you ahead of time you know, if you get paid nothing, you're getting paid in knowledge that is irreplaceable. So at first, yeah, you're going to take your bumps. You're going to be poor for a little while. But over time, all those lessons being applied, you're going to find mm-hmm. riches beyond your wildest dreams. I'm not just talking about cash. I'm talking about the experiences mm-hmm. with the people, what's learned from the people, the, the wonderful hugs at the holiday times type sense, if you would. It, it's far more rewarding. But right. not to just scare any students away, you can still make a crap ton of money. But you got to do it right from day one, if you would. Yeah. I think, you know, being humble, you said being humble goes a long way. And I would totally agree with that. And, you know, even if you're opening your own practice, you know, if you don't, if you chose not to, not to do an associateship and you chose to open your own practice, you're still starting at zero patients. Mm-hmm. And you're still starting at zero dollars and you have to, you know, put in the work. It's like that somewhere along the line that that W word that we call work became like a bad word for people mm-hmm. and for like younger people. And, and you know, it's not guys, it's not a bad thing. Like it feels good at the end of the day when you put in a good hard day's work, like it feels good. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys do, but I do, you know. Yeah. What was the book is like a four-hour work week i believe it's called where in the book one of the lessons is people save 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 for retirement then they're past their prime into their so-called golden years and they've never really enjoyed life at all Mm -hmm. if you find a profession such as being a doctor of chiropractic that you truly love why in the world would you ever want to retire if you are truly truly enjoying it so live a little bit more now and stop thinking, I got to stop doing this one day if you truly love it. If you're, you know, 65 years old, mm-hmm. hitting your peak and it's keeping you going and absolutely loving it. And that does have to do a lot with, yes, at the end of the day, you're not just exhausted saying, screw this. Do I really have to show up tomorrow? It's, you know what? That was a great day. I can't wait to do that again tomorrow. Right. And 
once you yeah. find that, you know that you're doing the right thing for yourself. Right. So true. And you, you said, obviously you love practice. How has your vision of practice changed from when you first started chiropractic school, seeing to what you were going to do when you graduated till right after graduation and now up until now? Did you have different visions? Did you have one that you kind of stuck with and never changed? Walk us through that. There's always an evolution. At first, I thought uh, to have a, almost like a huge hospital. <laughs> uh, just so much in there. You know, all these ideas and pull this, pull that. Eventually, you got to figure out what demographic of patient do you want to see? As much as I would personally like to have us filled with only professional athletes, the reality of only professional athletes walking in your door is not realistic. And if you wait for just a professional athlete, you're going to starve because, you know, you get one guy and he's coming in once a week and you can't turn the lights on for that. So once you finally figure out where you're going, and that's during the evolution, I kind of did figure out that we pretty much hit 35 to 55 age group working professionals. And uh, from there, I kind of thought, you know, at this point, okay, instead of this huge hospital, one practice will be great. Make a good living, just stay quiet, stay small. And then that kind of grew. It also grew when trying to figure out, do I take cash? Do I take insurance? How's this model going to work? And at first it was Strict cash. I've heard all those stories in uh, school about the insurance nightmares and having worked that summer, it's a nightmare, especially when <laughs> is literally, as he's at the end of his career, is for a uh, $3 reimbursement. Yes, $3 reimbursement. He's sending certified mail for $4.10 for a $3 reimbursement saying it's just a proof of point. It made him feel better. So I started with cash at first and collecting what I thought our services are valued at and worth. And I see the value in it. And shame on me for, I guess, not portraying enough value because individuals are just insurance-minded. I want, if you don't take insurance, then I don't want to come in. So that kind of hurt us a little bit first. So I decided then, all right, let's bite the bullet and do the insurance thing. The frustration with explaining about deductibles and your copay, especially the deductible part. Someone has a couple thousand dollar deductible that they haven't met. Well, they're now okay. ticked off at me trying to actually collect for the services. That was not fun. So then we went from there to a membership-based model where you can get four adjustments per month, you pay one single fee, and now we encourage somebody to come in. You like to drink water every day, right? Well, you should also be adjusted every week. And that mentality and mindset, that was it. That was the fire. So then going from a smaller practice, just keeping kind of quiet and below the radar has evolved into, we need more doctors. Uh, mm -hmm. Can't say it enough. We need more than yesterday. So that just definitely, I think everybody has some type of evolution that goes on in practice. But the one, one thing that does stay true, is kind of like we were talking about before, is making sure that there's an accurate diagnosis and a good rapport is built and the proper treatment is applied and everybody that comes in is like family. We call them part of the team. So no matter who you are, if you're part of us, you're a uh, fit team member. Yeah. Like Jim, it. speaking of evolution, did I hear you guys mention something about a movie? Yes. Yes, you did. Am I, am I allowed to bring that up or no? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So what's going on with that? Because that's a whole evolution for you. What's that about? 
originally went into school was not for exercise science to get my bachelor's degree. It was for communication uh, in high school. It's kind of uh, embarrassing, but I really liked Dawson's Creek. And uh, Dawson was, uh, oh, you're, thanks, Christian. <laughs> and Dawson was this film producer. And then I started getting into making, trying to make my own movies, but my parents would never buy me a video camera. So it just kind of stuck. And then I decided here in undergrad, I've got all the equipment. I can start making movies and was enjoying it. Fast forward to the COVID era, if you would, where things were slowing down a little bit. We pivoted. Uh, we actually increased uh, our members during the time just because of the pivots. However, it was still a little slow for me. And I was thinking to myself, self, you've got a bucket list that you're pretty big on crossing off things. You wanted to make a movie when you saw Super Size Me back in the day, thinking what would happen if this guy, instead of eating all this trash, took away the buns, took away the soda, took away the fries, and he just drank water, maybe had some lettuce that go along with that, and just ate the patties. That was back in Super Size Day, so the motivation of this world is kind of stuck right now, hit me. I turned to my amazing uh, wife and CEO there and said, I have an idea. It could probably cost us everything. Remember Pursuit of Happiness? He had uh, some contraptions there that he couldn't sell and we were homeless. I said, one of two things can happen. This movie's gonna work or we're gonna be homeless. <laughs> Go ahead, do, do whatever you need to do. <laughs> so we have uh, Dr. Brandon who uh, works with us there. He happily volunteered as he's pretty good at volunteering for pretty much any challenge. And we decided to quantify all the steps of what will happen if for 30 days you eat only your caloric requirement in hamburger patties. That's it. That and water. So we got some brain mapping done. We drew blood and fluids out of every orifice that he has or now realizes that he has. Uh, did some physical testing to go along with it. Uh, created a CrossFit style wad that also combines uh, strength and endurance on top of that as well as uh, doing the mile run, high jump, long jump, and some sprints, and uh, you design our ARX machine to quantify strength gains as well. He did it. Uh, the best part was driving up to Burger King, which is who we use simply because we had a double blind taste testing of our members, and we took the hamburger patties from McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, and then we also had a mystery and grass-fed beef. Just curious to see what people preferred the best. Everybody unanimously preferred the end grass-fed beef, but that's not the experiment and the fun part. The fun part was they all chose unanimously Burger King without all that mm. sauce, the, the fix-ins, the buns that have nine grams of sugar in them. Burger mm -hmm. King is the best. So driving up there through the drive-thru, I said, uh, I'll take 150 <coughs> burger patties, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so we started doing that every single week for a month. So some great footage of that. Um, followed up with quantifying what was going on with him again and uh, also testing ketone levels, glucose levels, things of that nature. Then for the next 30 days, he went on a diet, or I guess that would be the term for this here, of no beef. So he would eat some fish, but mostly plants. And we ran through the test there. And then for another 30 days, I know this poor guy, uh, we did just end grass-fed beef. And again, tested him everything on there. 
And while he was doing that, myself and our film team, we were traveling around the country interviewing uh, a lot of individuals who are renowned in nutrition and exercise. Nice. Uh, we have uh, like uh, Dr. Diagostino down at the University of South Florida. He's uh, one of the aforementioned keto experts in the world. He was kind enough to take some time with us. Um, Ron McKeefrey, who I worked with under at the uh, University of South Florida uh, football strength conditioning program back in the day. He's now at, at Fresno State. Uh, Sean Baker, who wrote the book, The Keto Diet, not The Keto Diet, excuse me, The Carnivore Diet, mm -hmm. uh, went out to Laguna to go talk to him. So it's been a lot of fun meeting new people, traveling the world. And when everyone was scared to fly, it was great. I had the entire first row uh, stretched out to myself, uh, pretty much me on the airplanes and uh, Ryan there, the film guy, take another row there. And we had some fun traveling around there. And we've compiled what I believe to be not only an educational film, but very entertaining film. We took a lot of things also for here from New Jersey, uh, some homage to clerks and uh, things of that nature, <laughs> scenes, and uh, kind of spliced some things in there. So people from Jersey will get it. People from not from Jersey probably won't, but mm -hmm. that's okay. You know, keeping uh, home a little close to the heart there with the film. The film. That's so cool. That is. We've had a blast. It's in the editing room right now. I'm looking for a holiday time, pretty much the end of summer, uh, next year for the completed project to be done. Uh, we'd like to hit you know, film festivals and uh, have everyone be able to tune in on their favorite streaming media. It would be Netflix, uh, Amazon, if you would, and uh, be able to see it many different ways there. I love it. That's so freaking cool, Jim. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> Well, I think, you know, that was one of the biggest messages maybe that we've had on this, you know, our podcast all together is like, you know, you go, you went through a time, you know, COVID hit and time came when most people decided to lock themselves indoor, give up and like basically didn't get out of bed. You like, were like, let me go to my bucket list. That's really what it came down to. What can I do? There's nobody around. Let's, let's have some fun and start checking stuff off here. Absolutely. That's like freaking genius. That is. <laughs> <laughs> awesome well we're we're getting to i'm checking out the time here we're getting to kind of the end of our podcast and so we'll kind of wind it on down and um wind it on down we always ask this question jim if you had a student in front of you right now and you could only ask uh, oh you can only tell them one piece of advice only one though people have a hard time with one one piece of advice what would it be I would say give 100% effort in no matter what you do. Each and every day when you wake up, whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's brushing your teeth, washing your hair, sleeping, <laughs> 100% effort. And knowing that you never left anything on the table, you will not have any regrets. And you will definitely surprise yourself in what you can achieve in this world. Fantastic. Awesome. Perfect way to close. It is. So, John, why don't you close us out here? This is awesome. Sure. Jim, thank you for sharing. You really brought a lot of value and perspective to uh, the table that, you know, from an angle we normally do not see. So I think the students are really going to appreciate it. I know I appreciate it. I'm sure Nicole did as well. So thank you for sharing. My absolute pleasure. And I sincerely do appreciate being asked to be here today. So thank you both very much. Thank you for taking the time, Jim. I appreciate it. Of course. Anything for you. Oh, thanks.
I'm blushing. <laughs> um, so we'll make sure that we get all of your information. And um, at the end of the podcast, we'll kind of edit all your information in this way. If any students or new docs have any um, questions, they can get in touch with you and reach out. Sure, absolutely. Be more than happy to answer any questions and uh, guide any young docs out there in the right direction if they, if they so choose. Awesome. Thank awesome. you so much. Thank you both very much. You're right, welcome. Thank you. Thank you.